What's up, dude? How are you? I'm good, thank you. And you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the 2027 podcast. Um, good to be here. Good to have you. Uh, yeah, so as you know, we'll be discussing some of the issues uh, around cultural representation, cultural bias, uh, and how it impacts on organisations and teams. So yeah, if you want to start by introducing yourself. Yeah. Um, well, my name is uh, Abdu Sidibe, and I work at the National Lottery Community Fund, and my role is um, Head of Region uh, for the Yorkshire Humber team. Well, thank you. <clears throat> and what do you understand by the term cultural representation? It's a big question. Um, instantly you'd think racial representation. I think that's what usually most people would think about. But for me it's more about the range of different cultures that people have. So, if, you know, I was born in France, but my, you know, origins are from from Senegal in West Africa. I'm also Muslim, and all of that shapes who I am. But also, as I've lived in Yorkshire for the last, you know, 15, 16 years, and I interact with a range of people from all over the world. One of my best friends from Spain is he's had influence in the way I behave and. You know what I love around food and things like that. So it's just a mixture, really, and it's I think it's all of that combination that that makes culture. So it's not fixed. It's a combination of all of those. I'm also a father of four, so all that's shaped and changed the way I behave and evolved. And you know, um, as I grow older, my brother also, all of that. Um, so. For me, the, the cultural representation more broadly is about how we, you know, especially at work, mm -hmm. how we get everyone to be able to present who they are fully. And that's whether you live in Doncaster and, you know, you've got the South Yorkshire way of doing things or you live more in Leeds and or you're from the North East, but you're white, that's cultural representation to me. Um, but also it's important that for me, I also see people that have that background, you know, in terms of being black, Asian, you know, non-white, because it's the reality of the world mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily see that very often when I'm at work. So in my own team, I guess, you know, apart from a couple, then the first time I really noticed it is when you joined us. So, um, because, you know, mm -hmm. with the two, we'll have darker skins in, 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 in the team. Mm -hmm. And now instinctively, I, I've just noticed it. Um, I remember the first time we met, um, but then I saw I know others in my team, one was also, you know, I realized the impact it had for her to join the team and have someone like me in the mm -hmm. team. So it's, it's things that people notice yeah, yeah. when it's there, but also notice when it's not there. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, yeah, there's probably more of an issue with racial, cultural representation, well, the lack of it uh, in the workplace. 
and at different levels and the higher up you go the less you see yeah. so I've um, you know I've been in this role two years and it's probably the first thing I noticed as soon as I joined is that there wasn't as many people who looked like me in that leadership role yeah. the first reaction from friends of mine when I took the job was almost it's great to have someone you know from our community or from our background at that level you know so that's the first reaction it's not just just being pleased for me but mm -hmm. like for the wider mm -hmm. community really so even now it's interesting what you know also it, I guess it means it was also more pressure to do well mm -hmm. and to present yourself in a way that's not going to damage just your yeah but also everybody else who may come after that. Yeah. Um, so it's almost turning it all the way around to you are representing yeah. your culture yeah. or an element of your culture. Yeah, yeah. And one of my like favorite books there has been uh, from Franz Fanon, um, um, Black Skin, White Masks, and he talks yeah. about that, almost that sense of being, um, I can't remember the terminology, but you almost feel like you have that triple discrimination, not discrimination, but you're responsible uh, you know, three times almost, not only for your own you know, actions, but also for your own you know, commu community and, and, and your own roots. So, and I always look at it like, you know, if a black person commits a crime, more likely that the next time I come, someone will feel afraid because I'm black too. Mm -hmm. But if a white person commits a crime, it's just that particular person, their name and who they are and what they've done. So I've always had that sense of responsibility is that, you know, if I misbehaved when I was younger, or if I did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing, that'd be interpreted not just by me as an individual, but my family, you know, my community and race as a whole. So it's a massive burden, really. Um, yeah, so that's, that's complex, challenging, um, frustrating, yeah. Okay, thank you. So, moving on to, I suppose, something that is often related in some environments. So, what do you understand by the term dominant cultural bias? Again, without, without thinking deeply, I'd, my head would be just Western culture straight away. Because, you know, we live in Europe, mm -hmm. it's the Western world, so there's a, a set of, I guess there's a kind of culture or a set of values. And even now, I can't even define it very properly. You know, probably to me, if you may, in simple ways, it would just be white. Um, that's it, really, that's all it is. Um, but which is dominant and you know I've got family still in in Senegal in West Africa and, and from the you know and part of my family live in poverty still now they live in poverty um, and we have to help them my dad you know only had worked in a factory and never really had much but he's always helped and yeah. send money back yeah, yeah. so it's that expectation but from their point of view they see you know Europe France you know England as the dominant culture where there is wealth, where there's progress, technology, where there's you know prosperity and peace and everything. And that's that's what's dominating um, in my view. Us and suppressing also a little bit 
who someone who I you know mm -hmm. who I am or the of the different cultures that, that that I bring with it. So I guess in the place of work it's the same thing is that overall there's more of a you know, more white middle class, especially in the philanthropic sector, white middle class um, people who've had different experiences but have more privileges and that's what's dominating the way we work, the way we behave, the way we talk to each other. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I would yeah, see it. Okay, thank you. Uh, can you give some examples of from throughout your career where these issues have kind of raised their head or become prevalent to the point that maybe across the team they might notice these things? What well, career? I mean, even I'd say even my childhood. You know, it's. Yeah. One of my first memories is at school, like in primary school where, it's funny, I was listening to a radio podcast of Ian Wright, um, Desert Island Disc, yeah. and he was kind of talking about the impact that one of his teachers had. And the, then the presenter was saying, you know, everyone had the teacher or someone who just, you know, probably um, was that key person who just enabled them really to kind of, you know, progress in their lives. And then I was thinking about it and I thought, I've got someone, but not for the positive reasons. So when I was, you know, uh, you know in primary school, I was probably 10, 11, something like that. I worked really hard and I always felt like I didn't have an identity even within the class. I wasn't being noticed. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the few, you know, non-white in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And the teachers always would call you your last name and also, as well. So you always felt like you were not. It was not a clear a relationship. It was a, it wasn't about forming a relationship. They were here to teach. You listen. You hear. You learn. That's it. But they didn't have expectations about people like me, because mm -hmm. for them it'd be you know, you'd end up committing crime or go and do a low skill job. That's that's what it was. And I worked really hard there, and it worked all in uh, semesters, and I kind of got one of the higher grades or something like that. That particular one. And he was really surprised and he said it in front of everybody and said that next time I wouldn't get that. So that's my first kind of early memories and experience of discrimination but openly in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Bearing in mind I was really shy also as a child and but hearing all of that. Yeah, yeah. saying you put so much effort, do your best, and but it's not really celebrating that, rewarding you for that, you're showing just surprise. And it's only now I'm reflecting on the fact that you're surprised because obviously I was black African and didn't see that as being successful. You know, you can't be successful. So, and it's always been on my mind. And even today, I think the way I work and the commitment I have is to try and show people like that that I'm not what they think I am, and that, you know I want to be successful or, or fulfill my potential. It's not even successful, my, fulfill my own potential and show them really. So whenever I go back home and I drive past by, well, this, the school is not there, but there's buildings, that's one of the memories that I've got straight away. But then I think about others, maybe where that motivation and dream could have been dashed just, just, just there and then. Then the expectation is, well, well yeah, I'll commit crime or I'll live in poverty or, you know, it's not for me to be there, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and as I, you know, started, you get older, I think, you know, 
at the point when I was in high school where you have to, so I was doing this diploma in kind of business engineering kind of thing. Um, and as part of that, you had to kind of work, you know, get, get some work experience. It was, and I, you know, it was really interesting that in the class, all those who were from you know, West Africa and North Africa were the last ones to get some work experience anywhere. Because we didn't have any networks, we didn't have any connections with anybody who had a, a job where you can get in. So even now you start to get, well, you're already at the disadvantage compared to the others, because the others, yeah, the parents are working in an environment, they can do that. My dad worked in a, you know, kind of factory. That's not what I wanted to do. He didn't want me to do manual jobs. He wanted me to aspire to something better, yeah. you know. But they have the connections. And, and so you notice when you're the last one to find those opportunities. Um, and then, you know, frankly, our teachers were just racist and some were openly, you know, yeah. national front yeah. voters and then they, they'd say that in the classroom. Yeah. So, you know, when you understand that, you understand that where you were born and where you live is not necessarily your place. <laughs> so it, you have to live with it, you have to learn to navigate. Um, and then even within the group of ethnic minorities, most of the racism that also suffered is from other ethnic minorities, people from North Africa and Morocco would, you know, be nasty to me because of, I was darker skin. So even that is a hierarchy in the, in, 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 the, in the discrimination that you face. Um, and yeah, and you know, first, I mean, jobs, you know, searching for jobs has always been a challenge. And because I knew, because of that experience and that background, you, you know that you're at a disadvantage. And, and you know, my best friends were all white, so I could see the opportunities that they had. Um, so I knew I wasn't necessarily going to get the same level of opportunities. And going for a job, putting a CV, I knew my name was a problem. One, people struggle to say it, and, you know, the way they were misspelling it and mispronouncing it. Um, and then, you know, to get an interview is very hard. And that's the reason why I wanted to come to England, actually, because I knew I was going to struggle to get a job, even though I'd done a master's degree. Yeah. Like every other of my friends who were white, yeah. I'd completed it. You know, I was disappointed with the grade that I had. And again, I felt that I was being treated differently because of my background. Mm -hmm given the, the hard work that I put in, to me, I, I felt really like, I felt really down. But that's why I went to England, because I thought if I speak English, I come back, I might have a better chance to get a job. Because mm -hmm. I knew I'd struggle purely because of my, my name. Um, then arriving here, I'd say it's been probably easier, but there's been more of a, there's more of a sense here that you can, you can have your culture, you can live you know, you can live here, you can be Muslim, you can be African, you can be Asian, you can be, you know, British Muslim, you know, it, there's more of that sense here than I had in, in France. Okay. So I'm aware that, you know, my particular upbringing is different to, you know, maybe growing up here. But then when I speak to you, there's lots of similarities as well. So, um, but there's been, there's been more of a debate here around race relations and, you know, Representation, Equality Act, and where in France we're not we're not there yet. Um, so, yeah, I think through my career I've always noticed that either I was one of the few people in my role at that level, um, but also the constant interaction with people who who assume what you're capable of doing or not doing. You know, and so it's always been trying to fight that and show that 
I can and I can be as successful as anybody and mm. my color of skin has nothing to do with that yeah. really. Um, but then it's hard because I think the, you know, the, the, ra you know, the racial aspect of it is probably the hardest because you can't hide your skin color. You know, that's the first thing people notice. So people have already made up their mind before you even open your mouth. You open the door, they see you, and then they'll be wondering, depending on their, you know, their thoughts, their interactions, their environment, social environment, that have made up your mind about, you know, who you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you get the same, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's this guy coming, he's got, you know, this vinyl on there, and he's, he's, you know, on his top and, you know, doesn't look like a funding officer or, you know, so all, all yeah. this stuff. So, and even now, you know, people are surprised when I say, yeah, I'm head of region. I say, oh, so usually it's always a, re a re surprise reaction first. So it's interesting that what are you thinking when you're reacting that way? Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't necessarily say that if you, you know, if you were a white person called George, I wouldn't react and say, nice to meet you and that's it, you know. Indeed. I think again, longer conversation for another podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's been noted. Uh, our starting points are already fixed. I think, and I think later it's about trying to get to some of those mm -hmm. uh, thoughts as well. So yeah, podcast two. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So what do you see as some of the symptoms, if I can call it that, of lack of cultural representation? in organisations, in decision-making? Well, so, I mean, the symptoms, it's... There's so many, but the key, really, it's... it's for me, it's the leadership, you know... If, you, if you're leading an organisation, and if you care... To me, it's always that, uh, I don't, you know, if you care, things just happen. Mm. And if things don't happen, means that either you don't understand or you don't care. It's those, usually in my head it's, it's those two things. And I always try and, so to tackle that, try and see how can I get people to want to understand and make sure they care so then they can do something about it. So, but the root cause is, 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 is the leadership because we're in charge of recruiting, we're in charge of you know, seeing potential. And, it, and it's that, so even earlier when I said you know, we're struggling to get work experience, or even to get a job. You know, what's always hard is that people want that certainty, you know, people who've done, you know, who've had the experience. So it's always the sort of things I used to get told all the time, like, just lacks experience. And I know you get that, you know, when you're young anyway, you get mm -hmm. that kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. But even more so, I think, when you're from a particular background. And, and I always used to feel frustrated, because to me, I had the potential, and I just wanted to be given the opportunity to show that I could, and work on it. And, and that's why for me it's so important that we look at people as a whole, but the potential they have to grow and do more. And that's the only way we're going to be more diverse, because if we're only looking for certainty and people have done it, it'd be people who've had more privilege and have done it, you know, then they all look the way you look as well. So, and that, you know, it's that. So if you're a manager and you're recruiting, you're a leader, it's nice what you're looking for. You know, more often than not, it's people who, who have similar ways of thinking, who are less of a bother, you know, yeah, who look the same, basically. Um, so that's the real problem. And I think privilege, when you have, you have it, you don't want to lose it. 
So instinctively, I'm pretty sure most people don't want to change because they know that it means that some of the privilege they have to let go. And so when you talked about inequalities earlier, you know, fair society, and that's the values that maybe we have, you know, in England. Well, that, <laughs> that's what it is. But the reality is, do we really believe in that? Yeah. And, you know, if you have power, you want to, you like power, you want to keep power. You don't want to give it and share it, you know? Yeah, I suppose it depends. I agree with you in the majority of cases, mm -hmm. but I'm hoping that someone's looking for power linked to influence to do very, very, very good things. And that, you know, that's my ambition. It's that, that I'm, you know, I don't like the sense of having power. I get frustrated with the lack of influence. That's why I've always wanted to progress in my career to do more and have more impact. So I worked in the charity sector. You know, before I was doing something completely unrelated where, you know, I was normally, well, first, I was, you know, I was meant to be doing some manual work as I did some, you know, I was told I wasn't good enough for kind of general kind of, you know, lessons and things like that. So I wasn't great in maths, when now I'm dealing with <laughs> millions of money. So it wasn't my strength when I was younger. So I was always told what I can't do. And then the route was going to go, he was working in the factory. That's where I should have ended up, you know, given where I grew up and the opportunities I was given. And I kind of looked at my friends who were going to, you know, university and then started to go abroad. And I just asked myself the questions like, why not me? And I just tried. And, you know, then he opened other doors and other opportunities. Um, I can't remember what I was saying now, why I was saying that. What did you ask? What was the question? I asked you about the symptoms yes. of yeah. lack of cultural yeah. representation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then you made a comment earlier, um, it's on the back of that. Ah, it'll come back to me later, well, don't it'll worry. come back yeah, to me yeah, that, yeah. that bit yeah. was off script, so yeah. I can't even tell you. Oh, that's it. No, that's sorry. No, sorry. I think you just prompted a question from me and yeah. I could not ask it. Yeah. So it became the freestyle broadcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we'll come back to it. If, yeah. you, if, if it recalls to any of us, we can slide it in again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you start to talk about the leadership being key. So... Yeah, I mean, it is, I think, yeah, the root cause is, I mean, some of that, yeah, yes, the leadership, but, I mean, the root cause is, I think, history and, you know, culture, all that plays a part, because, you know, what happens in society and, you know, recently there was the Windrush generation, you know, yeah. all the way back to slavery and all of that has an impact in the way we, we operate and behave. And, and I know people are sometimes comfortable with all that, but it is important yeah. because it has, a, it has an impact. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think, I think personally as an African that we see ourselves on the same level as someone who is white. We tend to see ourselves as less, mm -hmm. as less, you know less educated, less opportunities, uh, you know, instinctively you, you behave in, in that way, you act in that way. And even now, interact with people, I can see they do it for that reason. And they're not able to be really themselves fully mm -hmm. because they're interacting with someone they perceive as from that dominant culture and they think there's a certain way to, to fit in 
or not, or you stay where you are because you don't feel you're, you're part of that. Um, so, you know, that history of how our cultures evolved, the countries, you know, conflicts, slavery, all of that has an impact on where we are today. But within that is leaders have to understand that and role model, you know, a different way that's more more inclusive, you know, more equal, fairer, you know. Cool, thank you. So what are the, some of the approaches and system changes that are needed to improve or widen cultural representation? That's a big question as well. Apologies. No, yeah, but see again for me, you think it's, it's a combination of, of several things, but in a way, I don't think it's complicated either. Because for me, it again goes back to what I was saying, is that if you understand and you care, things change and things happen. So if it doesn't change and it doesn't happen, it means people like don't understand and don't care. And that's the thing. So in many ways, I think organisation will go funny ways of, of, of working where you know we want to have a plan, we want to have a strategy, you know, we want someone to lead on some things, we want to measure it and we but then we think life is just if it's important you make it happen mm -hmm. and you do it. Mm -hmm. And the first, you know, culture is about a combination of people. So if one person changes the way they do things and they care and they understand, spread the message, the others, you know, can do the same. What stops anyone to do something right now? And you think we've been talking for years and years and years, it just doesn't change because just complacency about it and there's lack of understanding about what the problem is. Because the, the people who are in charge are not the people who, are, who understand the issue, who, are, who, are, you know, who have lived through those issues. So I guess the more people there are, like you, me, at those levels, you know, and the more diverse that is, the better able will be able to, 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 to change that. But I think personal responsibility for me is the starting point. You know, never mind, never mind like the, the overall ambition is everyone could do something as little as they can be in the in their role mm -hmm. in in improving some of that. Even if he's talking about it initially or even, you know, saying that I don't get it or I'm afraid of what that would mean if I did something about it, you know, even that, as simple as that. And it's some of the messages messages I've tried to give to some of my colleagues the last couple of months to say, you know, I've been here two years, but it's a problem that I've been here for much longer than before I was I arrived. Yeah. Then I don't, you know, even though I'm, I'm involved in trying to help the organization to be more diverse and inclusive, you know, I don't want to be the lead and I don't want to be seen as the sole champion because it's every it's everybody has a responsibility and in different ways. because um, I don't want to be seen as the you know the black person who's who's, who's representing that and it looks good and it ticked the box, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um so I keep kind of reiter reiterating that, that that message. So personal responsibility. So even now when I said leadership, leadership is you as a person because everyone is a leader in a way. You know, you you can decide how you want to behave and, and act. So that sense of leadership is not just about being at the top, it's you as an individual in your own defined role, you can do something about it. Cool. Thank you. And 
thinking specifically about some of the benefits of widening cultural representation, what would you say to, if you made a case, what would you be your three biggest benefits for an organisation? But when you think about the way we work, you know, we're saying, well, we want to be closer to communities and, you know, we are here for everyone. So we're able to kind of reach every community with the level of investment that we get. And we're using local context. Mm. So if we use local context, to me, it means you understand the different cultures and communities that are in the area that you cover. Then, you know, in order to do that, internally, you have to be reflective of that to, to, to broaden that understanding. So the team, you know, pipeline review process, to me, we always talk about it as like it's a process. But to me, it's the most fascinating space because that's the space where you get all these different views and it just elevates and enriches the, the discussions that you have about, you know, a, something that an organization or a community wants to do in the particular area and the local context. But that level of involvement and interaction and views that people bring in, to me, it's fascinating. So what I bring in as a person who's from, you know, like I said, my African Muslim, you know, background that lens I use, you know, hopefully is helping and enriching someone's views as to how people who are like me may operate in this area or not. But, you know, but the same when I hear someone who lives in South Yorkshire, which I don't know very well, and then um, it's, I find it fascinating when they describe a place or the way people behave or the reason behind it, what's happened historically, all of that. So you can only make us better and enrich our own knowledge about different cultures and embracing more of the, the fact that it's not one thing, it's not defined, it's lots of things, which means that there's lots of curiosity here, there's lots you can find out because things are not the same. So to me it's more, that it's just a no-brainer to say that can only make us better. And also it's very known that organizations that are successful tend to be more diverse but they, they're inclusive and so it's about knowing people so you know internally to me is that the more diverse we are and the more we understand who we are individually you know the more different we are that's what makes the team to me is that yeah. we're all very different in different ways but we all bring something that adds value to the team as a whole so i see it like that as collectively as how you know you're very different to many others in the team. But that's the whole point, is that you bring a different perspective on things. You look at it differently. Because if we're all the same, we all, you know, what's the point? Having the yeah. same view yeah. about the same thing, you know, we're not, you know, I, I don't know, it's not, you know, but that's culture, to me, that's culture. It's evolving all the time. Yeah. And it's finding out, you know, how things develop, you know. It's, it's exciting. It is, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But we see it more as a, as a burden, it feels, and, and a problem, um, or a barrier, but a barrier that maybe not from us, but from the others. So it, may, it must be that people don't engage, or they struggle. Whereas us is the way we behave. Because if we're open and we see potential, what is the risk that can happen is that it doesn't work out. But then if it doesn't work out, you know, you adapt, you change, you and do something else. Exactly, yeah. and you still learn. And it might be that it's the way, you know, you go about it that has to change. So to me, that's, yeah. And 
and that to me that's why it's vital because especially the way we decided to change our structure and say we want to be closer to communities be reflective of what's going, you know happening happening in our communities we have internally we have to be reflective so we naturally it comes naturally in terms of our understanding of place and cultures and the system in which we we, we operate because the danger is that if you don't do that we make assumptions about particular groups mm -hmm. and then we have conversation that, that are here now about saying you know this BME group here for me it doesn't mean anything what's a BME group yeah, yeah, yeah. what's a com BME community you know, when people are saying, are you from an African community? Kind of, but not really either. You know, it, it means nothing. But actually, if you're more reflective, I'm sure being, you know, you bring a lot more kind of insight into, you know, being from the Congo isn't the same as being from Senegal. You know, being a Muslim in Senegal isn't the same as being a Muslim in, in, in Morocco. You know, so all of that, you know, there's a danger I could kind of, you know, be conformist into saying, well, Muslim people, we like this and we do, we say that, mm -hmm. or black people, we, yeah, yeah. it's not the case, so, yeah. so, you know, but the more people get to know me and where I'm coming from, the more they realize those nuances and differences in individuals, sure. yeah. and you can only make you a much more open person as a result, and if you're more open, you're more open to hearing ideas and being open to change and mm -hmm. so I think it'll make us better if you're a funding officer and a manager or you know a head of region like me really. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Uh, on the flip side I suppose, what's the key key drawback of doing nothing? But the key it's the same, you know, will it'll be persisting inequalities, you know, like you said, that will remain. And now uh, now, whether people think that's a problem, that's a different story, but doing nothing means that those inequalities remain. But also, the reality is that, you know, earlier we were having a discussion about how those issues still have an impact in you, even years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means that these people now, right now, as we speak, will be struggling, you know, on their own, or maybe in peace, but they will be struggling and won't get a sense that they're really able to truly be present their culture and be themselves and, and feel that being, they're being suppressed in some ways and it's not, it's not right and again if you, if your values are about you know, you know celebrating people and cultures and who they are you know that, that's wrong and that can have an impact on them you know emotionally and you know all of that you know the stress that goes with that because it goes back with your identity and struggling with your identity is something serious. You know, when there was times when I was younger where I didn't know where I was or who, you know, you start questioning everything about yourself. And that can be quite dangerous if you don't have the right support around, around you. So at the minute, I don't know if in, in here, in this place, where were the people struggle to that sense, you know? Um, so doing nothing, is, is probably worse than trying something that doesn't work mm -hmm. <laughs> or may have a counter-productive impact. I think doing nothing is, 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 is actually dangerous. And you create, you know, I think it creates toxic cultures. Because if you feel suppressed, you'll stop engaging, 
the dominant culture will continue to, you know, well, to dominate and put their own stamp on the way things should be done, all that can happen is that you clash eventually and either you leave and the culture stays and then you end up in a cycle where people come in to stay a bit, then they go, come in, stay a bit, then they go and that's the cycle. And then because people don't stay, the memory, the skills, the knowledge, you know, leaves all the time and then the people with the dominant culture who maybe, you know, think in the same way, always find the same solutions to the, to the problems, don't keep up with the time and change. And naturally, um, you know, you don't become successful as an organization. So actually, from a business point of view, it's damaging too. Mm -hmm. So, so what's one step do you think an organisation could take, or let's let's look at our organisation yeah. to take to improve cultural representation, and to begin that process of balancing off yeah. the cultures, getting more representation, yeah. negating dominant cultural bias. Yeah. What could they do today? I'd say the first thing is to acknowledge that there's there's. There's something to explore around it. Yeah. Whether you think it's an issue or not, I think yeah. it needs to be. First, we need to acknowledge. Then, there's the personal responsibility to explore what can be done in our own defined role. Yeah. And, and then, commitment, you know. But that commitment has to be followed by, by actions. And it's hard because when you're a large organization, it's hard to get everybody on board. Yeah. But everyone can start somewhere, and, you know, and it'll, it takes time. It's fine, and it's complex because people are complex, people mm -hmm. have backgrounds, so even now we need to understand people's cultures and where they come from in terms of yeah. how they see that, whether they see it as an issue or not, the threat that might mean for them, all that we have to explore, that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And that's why leadership is key in creating the conditions so we can be able to talk openly about those things. But yeah, I think for me the first is to acknowledge because at the minute there's still a sense maybe that people don't necessarily feel it's so much of an issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can easily say, well, you know, we've got a couple of people here, they're there at these positions, it's not a problem. Who says that is, is what was interesting, you know, who defines that? Um, so I think, yeah, acknowledging, but then it's, it's the personal responsibility and doing something. And some of that is exploring because if tomorrow you have to go and recruit, maybe you change one little thing around your recruitment, then maybe let me explore whether there's a different platform I could use. Or let me explore whether I could do more outreach and see how that works. Yeah, yeah. That in itself is something. It doesn't need, you know, signing off. It doesn't need, you know, it's just exploring a different way. Mm -hmm. And I guess some of the actions were taken, the 2027 program was actually there. You know, we had one placement last year, you know, it wasn't really known as much within the organization. But there's been more acknowledgement that we need to look at that a lot more in terms of represent, you know, representation as a whole. Yeah. But we know that within working class, you know, people of working class background, it's more likely that to be more diverse just by nature. And so this year we had six and it's already proving that it's, you know, there's more cultural representation as a result of, of, of that program. Mm -hmm. So that's both acknowledgement but also, you know, 
practical action that's been taken, you know, and we can learn from that. Then we can build on that and say, right, what next? How do we use the expertise of, you know, Corio and the agency in terms of how they manage to get people like you in this in this program? What is it that stops us finding people like you directly? You know, it's not. It's really interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the sort of things we should be asking ourselves. Um, yeah, so I think it's that. Acknowledge to something as little as, you know. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to say based on anything that came up? Anything that you didn't quite finish? Anything that you want to come back to? Um, I don't know. It's... Um, it's hard, it's so big, so I could talk about it for like years and years because, yeah, you know what, it's, yeah, it's, because it's not a piece of work, you see, it's hard, it's sometimes hard because the way I have to deal with it here, it's a piece of work, but at the same time, it's not a piece of work because in some ways it feels like it's about me and it's about my kids and I don't want them to go through, because I was reflecting on it recently where I was talking, I went to this conference and there was a Lord Simon Woolley, he was um, part of Operation Black Vault and he talked about being tired of fighting the fight and trying to, you know, promote more diversity in workplaces and so he talked about, you know, his experience working uh, with um, Theresa May, but it's really interesting when you talk about the fact that he's got children and he's is even now they're like 15, 16, and he has to help them to navigate racism. Yeah. And, I, and since then, I've been reflecting on the fact that I'm doing exactly the same with my boys, only year eight and six. Yeah. And already I have to explain to them that at some point, because your skin is a bit darker, or because your name sounds Muslim, some people may say something because of that. Or there may be opportunities you won't have because of that. It's, and I, and I remember that my dad also, you know, almost prepared me like that from a very young age. Yeah. And I don't want to go in that cycle yeah. again. I shouldn't be in a place of work or thinking, depending on what you look like or what your name sounds like, your opportunities may not be, may not be the same. I think um, it, it, you're right. It, it's more for me also a case of I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to be yeah. doing that. My father did had those conversations with me. Yeah. You know, and all of those wider conversations about you know you gotta work two to three times as yeah. hard just to create the opportunities yeah. for the potential for you to develop. Yeah. And as a youngster I don't want to hear that. I'm thinking mm -hmm. that I, yeah, Dad, you don't really understand because you came from India to here yeah. and I was born here. So in my mind, probably in the background was going on, yeah, Dad, you don't, but I'm having, I have yeah. those conversations yeah, with my yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm thinking about having it with another generation, which is my granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a sad reflection on almost the lack of movement, the lack of change. Mm. You know, where it matters, and it affects us on a daily level, I yeah, think. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, I, I, I think I've, maybe have the conversation with you, you know, uh, I've, yeah, for the listeners I have to describe myself I suppose, mm -hmm. but I have brown skin and I have a beard and I'm an, a, 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 uh, of Indian heritage, 
And my dad has a conversation with me before I fly anywhere about, oh, you should uh, shave your beard off. Yeah. And I never have done. But some, some days I think, oh, I haven't got time to trim my beard. I'm not usually clean shaven anyway. Yeah, I don't yeah, have time yeah. to trim my beard today. But oh, oh gosh, does that one centimetre make a difference? It feels like when I'm going through passport checks yeah. and airport security. You know, and all it is is that I've had a busy work week. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to do that trim before I <laughs> exactly. get on the plane. But I have to go through a whole different level of experience when really all I'm doing is getting to the airport quickly and trying to get on a plane and landing in a different country. That's all I'm really doing. You see, but I, 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 well, I still get the same feeling as I'm nervous when I go through checks, even though I haven't done anything. Exactly. Because I know I'll be looked at. Yeah, yeah. So I always, I'm careful to the way I dress. Because, you know, at home, I like to be comfortable, so I wear a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't wear a trainer's hoodie when I'm out, you know, for something more formal, or even coming to work, because, you know, the way it could be interpreted, because yeah, yeah. black hoodie yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Then, and going that's on That's without getting into that you have to get to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to deal with exactly. all of the, yeah, the yeah. thoughts about yeah, a yeah. black man in a, in a sweat, yeah. sweatsuit. Yeah. And even going on holidays, my friends used to go on holidays all across Europe. But I'd always be mindful, very often I wouldn't go, one, because I couldn't actually afford it, but also even wanting to go, thinking, am I going to be the only black person there? So if I go to Poland, you know, they go there. I I was always thinking, what would I look like if I'm a black person in a country like that where there's not that many black people, for example. And I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking like, if I'm going on holiday, I should go book, yeah, go on yeah. holiday, put my present. But you have that thought before that. Yeah. Because you go to the airport, and even when I first moved to the UK, and so going back to France was always funny, because I go back, you know, to France, to France, show my French passport, and I take always, you know, a few more minutes than anybody else that goes to the security. And I, it used to just annoy me yeah, all the yeah, time, yeah. just thinking the only reason you're doing that is because, you know, I have a black face. Mm -hmm. You know, not that long ago, uh, I was with a friend of mine who's Turkish, she's my best friend. And because I live at the border of Germany and Tristan, okay. we went out for a meal in yeah. Germany and yeah. I had my boys with me at the back of the car. Yeah. And then, and on the way back, we crossed the border and lots of cars go through and you can see the, the police is there and the cars be before us, they go through. But instinctively, I knew, I was like, they're gonna stop us. And then they did. Mm -hmm. And they stopped us, and they kind of asked, you know, papers. And then they looked at the back and they could, they could see my boys, and then, and then they let us go. But again, just brought me back to, you know, when I was younger, getting stopped all the time. I think yeah. the only reason is yeah, because, yeah. you know, I look different. Yeah, yeah. And you see that as being suspicious, so yeah. you feel you have to check. Because the four or five cars in front, where people are just white, you just let them go. Yeah, yeah. And it just, again, takes you back every time to Indeed. where you've been. Yeah. And you're thinking, yeah. I'm yeah. like in my 40s. Yeah, and again, yeah. I've yeah. got to <laughs> prove some, you know, that yeah, yeah. I'm not a danger or a threat to you. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. And it's, yeah, for me, it's more about, you know, like I don't want my the next generation, I don't want my children to do that. And that's why I work. I want to make sure that 
you know, as much as I can, as I, I embed the values that I've got about understanding people, the culture, yeah. and say, really, and I'm interested in people and who they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether you're quiet or, or, or loud, I, I don't have a preference, and I don't, I'm interested in the fact that people are very different, mm -hmm. and I, that's why I can work with everybody, really, even someone who people may describe as being a pain or whatever, I can work with anyone because I'm always interested in what is it behind that really that makes them be in that way. You know, there's always a reason, you know, even with the negative, you know, behavior. Um, and I guess I get that because I work with young people a lot. And when you work with young people, you always talk about them as holistically and thinking about, you know, those triggers and understanding beyond that. So I've always kept that, and I guess naturally I do that anyway. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter, you know, if I speak to someone, I'm really interested in what motivates them, what drives them, and I, yeah. You listen, and I think it's that. The more, if we did more listening, you know, we'd be, yeah, sometimes we have the tendency to want to say things. And that's the thing, I think, that the dominant culture, you want to kind of be in control and power and privilege about that, being in control, being, you know, having that privilege but you know feeling secure and, and, and having to say something about it and it's not to me it's, it doesn't have to be always that there's more power in just listening and doing what you can in your own role and then culture develops as a result cool yeah thank you for your time Abdul thank you it was a pleasure hopefully we can uh, catch up soon again no no I'd love to uh, yeah. yeah hopefully I didn't waffle too much but, yeah. thank you take care you too